This is Novel Marketing. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. I'm James L. Rubart. And this is the show for novelists who want to become best-selling authors. And this is episode 90. Dun, dun, yes, dun, dun. Yeah, which means, Trumbull, Thomas, it is time for another question and response extravaganza. This is pretty exciting. As you know, every 10 episodes, or every episode divisible by 10, as we math people like to say, we answer your questions. Now, you'll be like, wait a minute, I hear you answer our questions all the time. It's like, that's true. We'll do whole episodes answering deep questions. But sometimes people ask smaller questions that aren't quite big enough for a whole episode, but they're still great questions. And you all have sent in some amazing questions. And so that is what we set aside these Q&A extravaganzas to answer. And this is our seventh one. We are closing in, it's hard to believe, on 100 episodes. We're only 10 episodes away. So if you have any ideas... I know, from 100. So so we have a question for you. Before you uh, send us more questions, here is our question for you. What would you love to see us do for our 100th episode? Love to get your input. I think we should do it on a cruise. Novel marketing (laughs) cruise. I like it. I like it. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, let's jump right into it. Uh, We have a lot of different questions on a lot of different topics. And the first one is from Cadell Sterling, who asks, I found a local self-published author with a really cool sounding premise. And I bought his ebook and told him I'd review it. It stinks. Just awful. Painful to read. And I guess the first thing I want to say is, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) Me me too. There's quite a few unfinished books in my bookshelf. So it's a great question. So so, uh, the question is, what do I do now? Hide and pretend I never read it or honestly review it, knowing agents and publishers might read my review. You know, really, is blasting someone's half half a star book going to hurt or help my career? Where do I take it from here? So before we answer this question, I want to take a step back and realize – or, or just say that some people may be responding to your book this way. <laughs> um, if you're wondering why you're not getting any reviews for your book, you're giving it out to all these people and they're promising to review it and then they're not saying anything, it may be because they're afraid to hurt your feelings and they really didn't like it. Uh, and this is why it, it pays to hire an editor who will give you honest feedback and help you get your book better because you can never really trust the feedback that you get. Um, but what what should we tell Cadell uh, in terms of uh, what what I have my thoughts, Jim? But I'm kind of I want to hear what you say first. <laughs> yeah, I, you know I um, when my first novel came out, my first novel Rooms came out. I asked a number of different people to endorse it, and and I got a number of really glowing reviews. But I had this one guy write back, and he said I just didn't get it. It didn't work for me for these and these and these reasons, and and. I actually appreciated his honesty because that helped me grow as a writer. And so when I have people be honest and just say, this is not working, I I guess in the end, you're doing him or her, I guess it's a him, you're doing a bigger favor to be honest. And you might, you know, you might find yourself at the end of uh, a vitriol stick where this guy goes, well, thanks a lot, pal. But the reality is, you want to become a better writer. I'm guessing you want other people to become better writers as well. And so it's a time to gently, gently, gently be honest and just say, this is why it didn't work for me. Not just it it stinks, but go, this is why it didn't work for me. Uh, But gosh, uh, and and I'm not going to review it. And I guess that would be my second. Yeah, don't send them that critique publicly. Don't put it on Amazon and on Goodreads. 
Don't yeah, shatter their hopes that. and their dreams. You yeah. don't want to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> review and, and... unto others as you would have them review <laughs> unto you. <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. That's a tweetable. But yeah, Thomas is absolutely right. I would not review the book. Um, I, I, I would not put up a review. Don't destroy the guy. But I would be honest enough to say this is why – just an opinion. This is why it didn't work for me. So, Thomas, your thoughts, please. Yeah, so th- there may be some concern if he gave you a free book and the understanding was I'm going to give you a free copy in exchange for your review. Uh, one token of goodwill, since you're not going to review it, and giving the copy back would be really obnoxious, is to go ahead and buy a, buy the book. Um, be like, hey, you sent him a nice note. I like this thing. Try to find something about it that you liked. It didn't work for me for these various reasons, but, you know, Keep keep working at it, and you know to show my support, I bought a copy. And I will tell you, most authors will forgive pretty much anything if you say you bought a copy of their book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it is the universal love language of <laughs> self-published authors because you may have been the only person who bought his book that day, and you totally made his day. And so, um, yeah, speak the truth in love. Don't be cruel, um, but also don't blow smoke in his face. Uh, and say, oh, yeah, your book was great. It was totally not painful to read, and it was totally <laughs> not just awful, and it totally didn't stink. <laughs> so, uh, Those are not adjectives I'd ever used to describe your book. <laughs> yeah, although it sounds, it sounds like you really hated it. And you know what? That's okay. And, and I am reading a really terrible book right now. Uh, it's, it is poorly written, and it is the sequel of another book that is poorly written. And I bought the sequel because I am enjoying the book even though it is poorly written because it is my kind of humor. It's, it's a book It's about nerds and programmers and wizards and it's really stupid and there's nothing deep. It is, it's really pretty terrible book, but it's fun and I enjoy it and I happily have bought book two and I'm probably going to happily buy book three. And so just realize that there is no universally good book and there's also no universally bad book. And there is an audience for most books, although some books have bigger audiences than others. <laughs> than others. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> okay. Our next question is, can I be on your show? And this is, we're not going to attribute this to any one particular person because this comes from a lot of different people uh, quite frequently. Although so none of you who listen to our show, apparently, because the people yeah. who asked to be on the show are all these strangers <laughs> who see us on some list of podcasts. Yeah. So I, the quick answer, well, you give your quick answer, Thomas, and then I'll give my quick answer. So <clears throat> my quick answer is, if you want to be on our show, at the very least, you need to listen to our episodes about how to be a guest on a podcast and mention hey, I listened to your two episodes on how to be a guest on a podcast, and here's what I can do to help your readers. We're very picky in who we let on our show, and we don't do a lot of interviews. You'll notice we haven't done an interview in a bunch of episodes. And the reason for that is that we are looking for people who have a lot to offer to our listeners and who can get to the point quickly. We don't want to waste your time. We know that you're busy people, and we try to keep the show short. And part of the way we do that is by having people who get to the point and who have some clear expertise and value to offer and if you have a clear expertise and value to offer specifically if you've written a children's book and have had some success marketing children's books we're desperate for someone who knows anything about marketing children's books because jim and i both are like i don't know what do you know like we know know nothing (laughs) that is not our area of expertise so if that's your area of expertise do do shoot us a line at novelmarketing.com yeah my answer was just going to be no uh, I like okay. yours a lot better. <laughs> no, uh, we, no, Good the, cop, you know, bad cop on novel marketing, right, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. The, the, the little bit longer answer is yes, we'd love to have you on the, sh- on the show if you can 
come on and talk about marketing stuff that we haven't touched on before or have an expertise in an area. And then consequently, we will promote you and your book, but not the other way around. We're not going to promote your book just because you want your book promoted. Yep. All right. Next question comes from Dave Smale, who is our most frequent asking question person. And we have a few of you who send in questions every extravaganza. And we would just want to say we love you. We can't do these without you. And we try to work. If you ask a lot of questions, you're bound to get at least one that makes it to the cut. So Dave asks. <laughs> Two gold stars, by the way. So Dave asks, I've pitched my novel, debut novel, to multiple agents, but it's been crickets in response. I've also written a novella. So I'm wondering at this point, should I self-publish the novella, give it away for free just to get my name out there while I'm trying to get an agent? Is that good marketing or am I thinking like an artist or artiste, as Thomas puts it? Thanks and keep up the great work. Thanks, You can always tell people who actually listen to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, Dave, uh, Jim, you may have different advice for this, but I would say a lot depends on how good that novella is. Um, if it's been professionally edited or not. If it's just something that you've put together, I would be hesitant putting it out on the uh, interweb, so to speak, even for free, because it may be the first thing that agents see of you. But if it's great, if it's amazing, um, then it could be a great way to start showing, hey, I'm getting some traction, especially if that novella is in the same universe as uh, the book that you're trying to get an agent for. Yeah, it's one of those catch 22s where people say, should I sell? If you really want to be, some people really want to be traditionally published. Now, I I understood that 10 years ago. Now it has really changed where that's not necessarily going to be your path. That's for the old stogies, Jim, for the old men. That's right. (laughs) The codgers, they want to be traditionally published. All the cool kids are on Amazon. What is great space? They're all around the Algonquin table, not, uh, you know. But but what happens is if you self-publish and then you want to go the, the traditional route, the agent or the publisher will say, well, how many copies did you sell of that novella? Oh, I sold 200. Hmm. And they immediately get the idea that this thing is not very successful. Now, if you say I sold 20,000 of that novella, then they'll really sit up and take notice. So it goes back to Thomas's advice. If that thing is phenomenal – yeah, you could probably go that way, but make sure it is phenomenal. And, and that takes you back to getting a really strong editor um, who can tell you the truth about the uh, the novella. Although one way to easily inflate your numbers is to put it on um, Kindle Unlimited and also to do some KDP promotions where it's free and you get thousands and thousands of downloads and you're like yeah my novella has been downloaded three thousand times you know and what you don't necessarily say although you tell them if you ask it's like yeah because it was free for two days <laughs> three thousand people download everything that's free um it's also a way to start getting some reviews and getting feedback and starting to build your uh, audience i'm not against giving books away for free i'm actually a big fan of it that's how i built the following for my nonfiction. Uh, for fiction it's a little bit harder but a novella is exactly the sort of thing that would be great to give away. It's a bite size. It leaves them wanting more, hopefully helps them fall in love with your characters. So you're thinking in the right direction. It's just got to be good enough where it doesn't make you look bad. Carol, mad, mad, magi, mag, Maggie. I don't know how to magi. say Magi is definitely the cooler pronunciation. I love that. We're going to go with that. She's one of the wise ones cool. from the East. <laughs> she is. And and Carol says, I'm an emerging author. I've almost completed a novel, and I've written 20-plus short stories, but I haven't submitted them for publication. I understand it's important to have an author platform, a website, a blog, etc. My question, 
if you're not yet published, what kind of things should you upload to your website? Should you upload a sample chapter from the book you're working on, sample of short stories, all your short stories to show your range of style? What should I put on the website to show my writing? So for a not so this is one of my beefs that I have with how marketing is taught at writers conferences, because where you probably heard that you need a platform is at a writers conference. They brought in everyone into the room and they told everyone you need a platform. When in reality, the platform before the book is far more effective and important for nonfiction. For novelists, it's more about marketing after the book is launched. There's some things that you can do before, and I'm not saying don't have a website ahead of time, but really you could get away with just having a my book table page. This one page with the book as it's coming out. But if it's not even published yet, you don't have a book cover. I would just put a, my book progress, progress bar on a one page website with maybe an about page with, you know, some bio information about you, um, and your photo. It, the reality is people are not going to get very excited about your book without having read something that you've written, uh, in terms of fiction and kind of like with the last question where they're going to discover you is not necessarily going to be on Google for fiction. And again, nonfiction is very different. Uh, they're going to be discovering you on Amazon. So I would take maybe one of the short stories, if it's good enough, see previous question, and release it for free on Amazon. See if you can start getting some readers who are excited about you. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about the website, and I wouldn't worry too much about the blog. So if you're a novelist and you're still working on getting your first book out, I just want to give you a permission to take a deep breath. And I'm the website guy. I literally run a company that builds websites for authors. And I'm telling you, as a novelist, without a book out, it's not that important for you right now. The, the website is more about selling book two in the series than it is about selling book one. Now, for you nonfiction folks, I know you listen. Totally not true. You can go from zero to tens of thousands of dollars all with a blog. I've done it. I've helped clients do it. Building your platform ahead of time. You can be successful even if no one ever reads your book. This is the dirty secret of nonfiction. Most people buy nonfiction because they want to feel good about it, and then they never read it. They buy the diet book because it makes them feel healthy without them ever having to actually crack it open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in fact, I bought a diet book that I already planned to not read <laughs> just this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, You know, I'm not going to answer specifically your question because I thought Thomas did a brilliant job. But, Carol, I want to go back to this. I have written 20-plus short stories and I have not submitted them for publication. Carol, Carol, this, this is amazing. Twenty Short stories are, are a different art form than novels, so I'm not saying necessarily you're going to be a successful novelist, but the fact that you've done sh 20 short stories, man, I would take the 10 best or the 5 best, and I would start submitting those. Um, and Thomas Hintz, that's a great idea, actually. Yeah, because that's the kind of thing that can get you noticed. For example, Writer's Digest has a short story contest every year, and I think it's five grand is the, the, the first prize, and you get a trip to New York and this kind of thing. But there's a lot more venues than Writer's Digest where you can start submitting your short, short stories for publication to websites, to anthologies, all this kind of thing. You, you'll start getting great feedback on, you know, you ask about to show your style and range. Maybe you're talking about different genres. You'll start getting some great feedback with acceptances and rejections on what is really resonating with people. So I'd start there. Yeah, that's, that is a great suggestion. There are more ways. There's this 
thing called the real world, and there are ways of marketing your book there, not just on the internet. And I sometimes need to be reminded <laughs> <laughs> there are still actual short story anthologies that get collected and published. And there's some, you know, kind of no name authors who've gotten their start in the short story space, like uh, you know, little names like Stephen King. <laughs> so, right. Well, John Steinbeck. <laughs> yeah. So it's it used to be one of the primary ways, uh, especially in science fiction, uh, to get discovered. It's not as popular now, but it's still very effective. Yeah. Nadine Hawkins says, I've plotted a number of different books, both fiction and nonfiction books, but I haven't completed any of them yet because I still have this question about platform before I start writing them. Two questions. First, can authors write both fiction and nonfiction well? And secondly, I see my fiction as a doorway to get into nonfiction, specifically writing beginning Christian self-help books. Can that work? And then she adds that my fiction is speculative romantic uh, fantasy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a couple of questions here. Yeah. So with these sorts of questions, um, this commercial that I saw 10 years ago always flashes through my head. It's the uh, Dos Equis man, the most interesting man in the world. I may have quoted it on the show before, but uh, he gives this career advice. And it's like the most interesting man in the world on careers. And the camera zooms in on the guy and he looks at the camera and he says, find the one thing in the world you do not do well. And then don't do that thing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And um, it's, I I love that. Uh, And there's a lot of power and focus. And the reality is, is that you almost never see authors who do both fiction and nonfiction well. Um, it's, it is a f- small fraction of a small fraction. It's not unheard of. And the ones who do both well, you tend to have heard of because they, they cro- can cross-promote. You know, people like C.S. Lewis uh, were able to do it. But it's, it's very, very rare. Uh, typically, my recommendation would be to pick one and really master that one. And if you get good enough at that one, you'll earn yourself a f- free shot or two into the other space. So after you've sold, you know, couple hundred thousand nonfiction books, anybody will, you know, print a fiction book for you on a chance that it is successful. uh, And you kind of earn yourself a free shot uh, in the fiction space or vice versa. Um, Speculative romantic fantasy uh, is a Christian speculative fantasy romantic. It's a very small genre. (laughs) Twang twister. (laughs) But uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe you're able to create a genre. What makes a genre big is not how popular the genre is. This is often a confusion. Genres are created by popular books. The whole fantasy genre was created by the Lord of the Rings primarily. After people finished reading Lord of the Rings, they're like, I loved this. I want more like this. What else is out there? And that experience of people loving something and wanting more like it is what creates a genre. And so it happened with Amish. There was a couple of people who wrote books on Amish. And yeah, people Amish like, didn't exist. Yeah, it didn't exist. wrote this book. People loved it. And then it exploded. Exactly. And so don't feel like, oh, this niche is small. You can make the niche as big as you can. And if you're the one who establishes the niche and it's like the genre defining book, that is a great place to be. So don't don't let that scare you off. But what I would do is I would um, hire an editor to give you some honest feedback on your various works in progress and be like, what here has the most potential? What really could have resonance? Because uh, there's a lot of self-help. Uh, my my guess is, and I'm answering this too long, I apologize, but my, my guess is 
you're in a very crowded space with self-help, Christian self-help. There's a whole aisle of that. You could be one of only a handful of players in a romantic, speculative Christian fantasy space. Uh, so that may be the easier place to make a name for yourself. And I guess my the only thing I'd add, Nadine, is what do you love? I mean, go into the deep parts of your heart. What do you love to do? Do you love to write nonfiction or do you love to write fiction? Your, your second question, I see my fiction as a doorway, and this might free you up because you're saying, I see my fiction as a doorway to nonfiction, writing nonfiction. The reality is that, that that's a doorway that's padlocked multiple times <laughs> with unbreakable codes on them. What I mean by that is people think, well, if I develop a fiction following, I can transfer them over to my nonfiction books. It doesn't work that way. It's like being an expert guitar teacher and then saying and oh by the way i'm an expert water ski instructor too they'll go huh no i i kind of think of you as the 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 musician it it just it seems like it should happen but it just doesn't happen that you will not bring your readers over so if you're going oh well i really wanted to write fiction anyway then great you can do that or if you're saying oh great i really just want to write um the self-help good you're freed up to do that and this even happens within a genre so there's an author that i love jim butcher who wrote the dresden files and i'd read all the dresden files and i couldn't wait for the next one to come out and then i saw that he had another series of books called the codex alera but it was a totally different kind of fiction it was epic fantasy and i was like i don't know this doesn't sound very interesting and i didn't read it even though it was a genre that i like by an author that i liked i was like it's too different i really want more jim butcher now i finally got over myself eventually and i you know saw the first one on sale and downloaded it and fell in love with it and then quickly bought all the rest of them but it was it was kind of interesting as a marketing person observing myself as a fanatic reader it's like why was there so much friction and it's people don't like starting a book and not finishing it It makes them feel guilty Uh, it's not about the money it's about the guilt because we feel bad about starting a book and not finishing it so every book is a risk Am I going to like this book? And as a marketer, marketing your books, your primary challenge is to say there's no risk to this book or the risk is low, you're going to like it. And the more comfortable someone is in trusting that this is going to be a fun book to read, the more likely they are to buy it and the more likely they are to start reading it. And it can be done. All that being said, it can be done. A Robin Williams can come along and be the funniest guy on earth and then do compelling, compelling drama. But for all the Robin Williams there are out there, there's also the Jim Carreys who are incredibly funny and then tried to do drama and it bombed. And so it's it's not that it can't be done, but it is very, very challenging to do both. Yeah. Find one thing that you do well and do that thing. <laughs> or at least find the thing you don't do well and don't do that <laughs> Do not thing. do that thing. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we are out of time. We are not out of questions. Y'all sent in a lot of questions and we appreciate it. Keep sending them in. We are going to do another one of these soon. And if you didn't hear your question... In this episode, it may be because we're doing a whole episode on it on the future. We've already got several outlined. In fact, we have a question coming up that is getting multiple episodes answering it, which we have never done before. So we'll see how that (laughs) goes. But stay tuned. We have some excited things coming in the pipe. This episode of Novel Marketing has been brought to you by My Book Progress. This free, wait, wait, hold on. This free, cost you nothing, WordPress plugin let you track your progress and hit your deadlines on your website. It's motivating. It lets your readers know what's going on. And I think I might have mentioned it's free. 
<laughs> You've been listening to James L. Rubart, who's a best-selling author. I, th- I think I forgot to mention that in the opening. And Thomas Umstead Jr., who's not a best-selling author on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.